Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Obviously, it was his best game. It was, you know, I think we needed that extra boost, um, and, and he certainly brought it. You know, uh, him, him and Bays kind of got on a little connection there for a few minutes, and, you know, it really lifts our group up. Uh, but I thought the defense, you know, and his activity on the boards and his second and third efforts going to offensive rebounds, all those things, uh, you know, that's, that's just um, we need more of that every night, every possession uh, when he's like that. You know, I think it can just really help carry his teammates and uh, you know, hopefully help us take you know, that next step forward. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 188 of the Locked on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, and uh, obviously the words that you hear at the top of the podcast were from Mike Budenholzer in the aftermath of the game for victory over the Washington Wizards. And he, of course, was talking about Dwight Howard, who uh, was fantastic in Game 4 alongside a number of luminaries from the Hawks in this, in this performance, uh, headlined by, by Jose Calderon and a very unlikely performance off the bench, uh, as well as Paul Millsap in sort of his normal do-everything role for the Hawks. But, you know, the big picture here was the Hawks getting a 111-101 to victory over the Wizards to even the series at two apiece. Uh, a lot to get to, of course on the podcast. And as you might imagine, I'm recording this from Phillips Arena, so please forget the background noise as usual. But uh, with that said, uh, the Hawks finished this game with a 112.2 offensive rating and a 102.1 defensive rating. Both of those numbers are certainly uh, quite acceptable. In fact, offensively, especially um, better than average for sure for the Hawks. That would be a, an elite level offense over the full course, course of a full season. And uh, they were very, very good offensively uh, on the whole, especially when compared to the normal baseline. And defensively, there were some issues in this game, but in, in the same breath, uh, the Hawks have done a really good job taking advantage of Washington's, Washington's limitations in this series, and that was uh, definitely the case here in Game 4. Um, early on, uh, the energy in the building was awesome, and really throughout, I should credit uh, the Atlanta Hawks fan base uh, for, for coming out in a big way in this performance. It was one of the better atmospheres that I've been a part of in the last couple of years in this building, and while that's, uh, you know, the Hawks are not exactly known to have this uh, raucous fan base, it was very, very loud throughout the game. started early. Uh, people were largely in their seats at tip-off. There were some empty seats early on, but if, if things filled in quite nicely, and uh, by, the, by, the, by the second half, uh, the place was sort of coming unglued, especially with regard to Markeith Morris. Uh, Morris has sort of famously been in something something of a beef with Paul Millsap throughout this series. And again, he did not play well here, but the Hawks uh, crowd really let him have it early on. Uh, There was a hilarious moment that actually Dwight Howard referenced in the post-game press conference that uh, uh, the Hawks are doing a promotion with Chick-fil-A right now um, for the the opponent missing two two free throws in a row at any point. Um, The uh, Hawks, (laughs) so I'm laughing because it was such a funny reaction, but uh, the Hawks were offering free Chick-fil-A sandwiches for everybody in the building. And uh, at one point in time, there was a missed front end. Of course, the second one was made, unfortunately, but it was probably 
loud as it was the entire night. But uh, with that said, it was a very, very good atmosphere uh, at Phillips Arena, and the family should be credit for that. And all you know, the, the, both both Budenholzer and a lot of the players were uh, quick to credit that as one of the reasons why the Hawks played so well and got a lot of uh, momentum going in this spot. Um, and early on, there's actually some signs of ominous, uh, some ominous signs, I should say, uh, with the Wizards going on a 15-2 run in the first quarter. Uh, the Hawks actually trailed by 20, uh, by 27-18 margin late in that first quarter, and Dennis Schroeder picked up a third foul with 2.29 left in the first quarter. Yes, you're hearing that correctly, 2.29 left in the first quarter. Uh, to be fair, it was pretty un pretty unlucky on, on Mike Budenholzer's part. Uh, he had already sent a sub to the table on the previous possession, but uh, Schroeder got uh, you know just a series of really, really uh, ill-advised fouls, including the last one um, that was uh, ill-timed as well as he was about to come out of the game. But a third foul for Dennis. He did not play again for the rest of the half. Um, in fact, and at, at the time I tweeted this, and I still would stand by it, honestly, in a vacuum, that uh, the lineup that Bud went, went to was a, a troubling one after that with uh, Jose Calderon, Kent Bazemore, Mike Dunleavy, Ursula Eliasova, and Mike Mescala. That's not a playoff lineup that you want to see, but it worked out in this spot. Uh, at least that was not the only lineup that worked out, but uh, Dennis did not appear for the final, you know, 14 minutes or so of the first half, but the Hawks were able to tread water based largely on the play of Jose Calderon, which is a, uh, you know, a stunning sentence to say. Uh, I I should uh, eat some crow in this performance, and because I've uh, been critical of Bud's playing Calderon, I've always kind of liked Calderon, honestly. But uh, defensively, he's a liability, and I think you even saw that in this game to to to, to extent there's some matchups where uh, he was unplayable defensively, but offensively he provided a huge spark in this spot, um, and uh, his play was. Uh, so we jump off the page. Uh, he actually ended up being on the podium and made a make sort of a self-deprecating joke in, in the aftermath about how he expected to be there. Uh, Calderon ended up playing 20, 20 minutes in this game, uh, a Hawks high for him in terms of a game that was actually competitive. Uh, he played a ton of minutes and was plus 29. Uh, you're, you are hearing that correctly. The Hawks won this game by 10 points, but Calderon was a plus 29, and uh, that that was you know, plus 26 in the first half in which he was replacing Dennis Schroeder. So. Credit to Jose. Also, he's was as emotional as anyone has ever seen him. I, I mentioned that as a uh, it was definitely the most emotional that he's been as a Hawk. But some people around the NBA were chiming in that they've not seen him that emotional really at any point in, in, in his career, whether it be Toronto or Los Angeles or uh, any other stop that he's made along the way. Uh, so it was good to see Jose sort of firing up the crowd. Paul Millsap was also very demonstrative in this game, and those two guys they're not really known for that, but it was good to see them sort of playing along there and getting really fired up, and that allowed the crowd to erupt in this spot. But uh, the Hawks used a 10-0 run that was capped by uh, by Calderon three actually in the second in the second quarter to take the lead um, largely for good at that point in time um, uh, that was <laughs> that was a serious crowd eruption after, after that shot uh, and then the league actually got extended after back-to-back alley-oops from Kent Bazemore and Dwight Howard and a three-point play from from Torian Prince uh, Hawks were suddenly up by seven and led by nine at the half um, from there they never they never they never trailed again uh, they did the Wizards did, did come back to tie the game in the second half um, the Hawks took a 10-point lead early on in the third quarter but it was an immediate 9-0 response from the Wizards in fact the Hawks uh, had some shades of meltdown in terms of the, uh, the third quarter they scored two points in the first about four and a half minutes of the third quarter and there was some uh, some tightness in the building to be sure um, but the Wizards tied again at 68-68 but uh, from there the Hawks responded with five straight points and uh, it was back and forth all the way to, to begin to begin to the beginning of the fourth quarter, but obviously the fourth quarter went uh, sharply in the direction of the Hawks with a 34-24 to finish. Um, again, it was tied to start the fourth quarter, but 
Atlanta was much better in the fourth quarter, and that's what you have to be in a spot like this. And uh, uh, sort of inexplicably, this was a situation where if I was a Wizards fan, I'd be I'd be lighting myself on fire right now. Um, there was a situation early on in the fourth quarter in which Scott Brooks, the head coach, elected to sit both John Wall and Bradley Beal at the outset, uh, or at least close to the beginning of the fourth quarter. The Hawks were a plus eight in less than three minutes when those two guys were off the court, and that ended up basically being the difference in the game. Uh, the Hawks won by ten points, but uh, it was closer than that for a lot of the, for a lot of the way. And uh, that that eight point stretch was inexplicable. I could not believe, and this was not just me. I said this at the time when it started, and uh, pretty much the entire internet said this sort of in unison. Uh, I just could not understand the logic behind that. But uh, Brooks was uh, not exactly eager to uh, talk about that after the game. And also, I actually I actually asked him uh, if you were watching this on television. You probably caught. I had a couple people uh, message me after the game, sort of mentioned this and poking me about it. But I asked about Markeith Morris's uh, less than stellar play since game one, and uh, Brooks took the opportunity to talk about how he's been in foul trouble, sort of a, uh, what I took to be a subtle jab at the officiating. But um, you know, Scott Brooks, I think, has actually been, done a very good job this season for the most part. But I, that was a move that I did not understand, and it cost his team eight points in a game that was only a ten-point margin. So with that said, the Hawks made a lot of plays here. Uh, late, late in the game, it was kind of a hilarious circumstance in which Dennis Schroeder uh, hit back-to-back threes, the first of which was an ill-advised shot, and the, <laughs> the second, and then he, missed, he actually missed one in between that it was also an ill-advised shot, and the last one that he made was about a four-bouncer, uh, and it was also an awful shot. So Dennis's shot selection in the fourth quarter was not, adv- not advisable, I would say, to be sure. It ended up working out um, largely on the strength of uh, some, uh, some interesting bounces in Atlanta's fashion, and also I made a comment during the game that I thought thought the officiating was slanted toward the Hawks a little bit, which is fine. You know, it's, it's a home game. That's part of the part of the thing about being at home and having the crowd erupting. On, the, the crowd erupting, and also with the way that uh, the officiating has been talked about in the series and the MMA stuff from Marquise Morris early in the series. I think all of that sort of plays a role here. But the Hawks got a nice, a nice kind whistle, which was fortunate. Not the reason why they won the game, but still, the Hawks did play well here. Took took advantage of that. Got to the line. Uh, 25 times here versus 23 for the Wizards, so not a huge discrepancy, but um, the Hawks did play well. Again, I, would, I want to say that again because they did play very well. With that said, we can move on to some uh, individual stuff. Of course, I led the podcast with the audio from Mike Budnoser on Dwight Howard, and I thought Dwight was absolutely tremendous in this game. Is the reason why I led with that audio. Uh, I thought this is the best game I've seen Dwight Howard play in a couple of months, uh, which is, uh, again, you know, it's, not, it's not to say that Dwight's been awful that whole time by, by any stretch, but I think um, his activity on both ends of the court in this game was huge. Uh, 16 points and 15 rebounds for Howard. He had a double-double at the half. Uh, as I mentioned before, he hooked up with a couple of alley-oops with Kent Bazemore. Um, he was really sort of getting up higher than you would see him normally. He was explosive on both ends of the court. Defensively, I don't think he's quite the stopper and the uh, sort of the dominating presence that he's that he has been in the past. That's something that's worth pointing out. But he, he, he played with energy defensively in this game. He was a plus eight in 30 minutes and offensively, um, just the way that he was rolling hard. Um, there was a couple of ill-advised post-ups, but uh, Dwight, for the most part, you know, it was like, actually there was one moment early on when he had sort of a Moses Malone play, getting uh, three offensive rebounds in a row, sort of tipping the ball to himself and getting the free throw line, made both free throws, and uh, just in general, I thought Dwight was fantastic in this game. Uh, there's a reason why he was playing crunch time for the first time in the series, and that was because he played very well, and there was no reason to go away from him in this spot. I'm not sure that's going to be sustainable moving forward necessarily in this series, but I think Dwight um, definitely earned his 30 minutes, and with the way that he played in this game uh, provides a lot of encouragement moving forward because now that we've seen him do it, we know that, we, that Dwight can play at that level. Um, I'm not sure it could happen uh, every night just because of his age and the way that he his, uh, I don't want to say effort, but just activity level wanes a little bit, but the way that he played here um, was very encouraging for the Hawks, and uh, a lot of Dwight Howard fans I'm sure were rejoicing. Uh, it was good, good to see that. I've, I've obviously been quit- critical of that move to bring in Dwight, but um, this is one of those games that uh, it pays off to have a guy like Dwight around, and I thought he played quite well here. So I'll leave with that. 
Obviously, Calderon was the other big story. Uh, Ten points and five assists for Jose in 20 minutes. Uh, I, don't, I don't think he was quite as uh, transformative individually as people might want to make him out to be after this game, but it was not a coincidence that the momentum shifted in the way that he played. He made a couple of huge shots, was scrapping, got into it with Brian Jennings a little bit, and uh, credit to Jose for playing 20 great minutes in a spot in which, actually, he had three fouls in the first half as well, but more importantly, he was able to bridge the gap for Dennis Schroeder, who had some... Uh, you know, not, not exactly the, the most heady plays in the world in, the, in that first quarter, but Calderon bridged the gap and sort of saved, saved and bailed out the Hawks early on. Uh, credit to him for that. Uh, with all that said, the best player on the court, as usual, for the Hawks. I made a joke about this on Twitter during the game, but for about the 47th time this season, I'm, I'm going to say this, Paul Millsap was tremendous. Um, he didn't shoot the ball particularly well in this game. He was 6-15 from the floor, but that was really the only downside to Paul. 19 points, 9 rebounds, 7 assists, 2 steals um, for Millsap. His defense was fantastic again in this game. He held Marquise Morris to 3-10 of 10 shooting. Once again, it's not all about Morris, but um, the way that Paul is playing on both ends, uh, there's a reason why he's a top-20 player in the, in the league. There's no question about that my mind. Uh, Paul, we've now seen it again uh, time and time again this season and, and of course in this playoff series. Millsap is a centerpiece of everything for the Hawks and uh, he's showing it uh, over and over again in this series in a way that's very encouraging and a lot of fun to watch. It was good, to, you know, the way that I uh, talk about Paul on Twitter is probably a little bit over the top on purpose, but uh, he was uh, energized in this game and did a couple of just ridiculous shots, uh, high, high degree of difficulty shots, and uh, just made every play the Hawks could have possibly asked him to make. So, shout out to Paul Millsap. Uh, elsewhere, aside from those three guys who were sort of the centerpiece storylines, Torian Prince had another nice game, 11 points, 7 rebounds, did another quality job defensively on Otto Porter. Um, coming into this game, I was talking to some people around the arena before the game began and just sort of praising the work of Prince to take away Porter, and I'm, I'm still not sure that it's the best thing in the world for the Hawks to go with uh, Bradley Beal being chased around by Tim Hardaway Jr. And we saw that a little bit in this game. But uh, on the bright side of that decision, you have Torian sort of taking away Otto Porter in a way that um, Hardaway obviously would not be able to. So I think Torian was very good on both ends here. And Bob Bunozer was very um, complimentary of him after the game. Um, Dennis Schroeder. I did mention, of course, early on that uh, he did not play with the most heady performance and uh, a couple of shot selection issues late, late. He did have 18 points in this game, but was a minus 13. I didn't think Dennis played as well in this game. I thought this was probably his worst game of the series. Uh, that, that, with that said, he's been very good to this point in the series, and he was not unplayably bad or anything like that in game four. So just a little bit of step down for Dennis. He was due for one of these games that was not quite as good as the previous ones, but uh, I thought he wasn't awful, uh, even though it probably was not a coincidence that he was the game worst, uh, minus 13 for the Hawks in this spot. Uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. had a nice little bounce back game. I didn't think he was great, especially early on. I think he was uh, pretty clear that he's forcing it a little bit, but he did he, he did kind of heat up in the second half. Finished with 15 points on 6 of 12 shooting with 3 of 5 from 3. A couple of quality looks um, for Tim that he was able to knock down catch and shoot situations. He's definitely improved as a pure shooter. I'm still not 100% uh, comfortable with him uh, as a knockdown guy by any means, but I think he was, he was better in this game in general. I, I don't think he's been very good in the series. They probably lost himself some money as a result, to be honest. Um, but the way that he played here was uh, was just fine, and uh, the defensive job that he did against Beal, it's not always it's not all Hardaway's fault by any stretch. But uh, Beal did have 32 points on 23 shots. It was he was sort of due for a good game, and I, I came a lot of that came at the expense of uh, at the expense of Hardaway, but not not all his fault by any means. And he can't be expected to shut down Beal on an every night basis because that's just not the type of player that Tim is. 
on the bench. Aside from Calderon, I thought Kent Bazemore was very, very good here. 16 points, 7 assists, 3 steals, 4 rebounds in 24 minutes for Kent. He was all over the place. Um, sometimes that's not a good thing for Kent. He gets a little bit over-aggressive, and he did take 12 shots in 16 minutes, but uh, I made only 5 of them, but did make 3 of 8 from 3, which is perfectly acceptable, and I thought Kent's defense was very good here. His, his facilitation was really good, and his 7 assists, a lot of those came to Dwight Howard. He was asked after the game about sort of their, uh, their chemistry together, and they were uh, both complimentary of each other uh, in that way on the podium, and I thought Kent played uh, what I thought was his best game of the series, and it was uh, definitely a good time for it. Um, I will always, I don't want to say always defend Kent, but I think he's uh, gotten too much scoring this season. He's not played, certainly not played well, Was not has not played as well as he did last year, but uh, there, there are games in which he's really valuable, and I think you know the con- if you take the contract out of it, uh, Kent is a perfectly fine rotation wing in the NBA. Obviously, he's going to be an overpaid one for the next couple of years, barring some sort of massive change, but aside from that, I think Kent is a useful player, and we saw that uh, in this game in a big way. This is definitely uh, his apex so far in this series. Um, lastly, Couple of, a couple of other guys who played minutes here. Mike Muscala was uh, very anonymous with only eight minutes, did not score, did not play particularly well, and was uh, basically buried um, in favor of more Dwight and more Ursula Ilyasova. Uh, Muscala was kind of due for one of these. I thought he's been pretty decent in the series, but uh, Ilyasova was much better. Six points, five rebounds uh, in 22 minutes. Only took two or three shots. Took, took, took a huge charge. Actually, I think took two charges, but uh, I, I, one that was more memorable than the other. Um, and I thought Ursan was uh, the better player, and I was uh, in favor of the Hawks going with him in place of Muscala more often in those lineups, and I thought, uh, again, he was a useful player. Uh, Tabasa Felosha um, did play on two different occasions in this game. Uh, I actually turned the Mario West deployment for the long-time Hawks fans that will remember uh, former Georgia Tech um, swingman Mario West used to come in uh, under Mike Woodson for uh, little stints defensively. Um, it was sort of, uh, I don't, I don't want to say offensive, but maybe disrespectful in the term, uh, that at least what I would use towards Thomas Afolosha. They're really using him in a way that he's sort of a bit player. He's, he's just better than that. But he played 9.6 seconds in the first quarter, and he played another stint later on of less than a minute um, just uh, as a pure defensive replacement. I continue to think that um, he's a much better player than Mike Dunleavy Jr. And it, w- it would be different if Dunleavy had, but had been playing well uh, at all, really. But I think he's just basically been out there in fact, in the series, Dunleavy did not score in this game. Uh, he was uh, zero points, uh, only took one shot in seven minutes. Uh, again, it's not, all about, it's not about all about numbers, but in this series so far, Dunleavy has seven points total, and he has played uh, about 40 minutes total across the four, across the four games. He has uh, taken only five shots. He's two of five. Um, I understand the theoretical spacing of having Dunleavy on the court. I understand you know the Hawks might, might want to just play five out and uh, be able to uh, you know swing the ball around. And if Dunleavy's open, he can certainly knock down shots. He's probably the best pure shooter on this roster right now, but it's hard for me to believe with what they're getting from Dunleavy that they would not be better off playing Cephalosha. But I was asked yet again by Bootenholzer after the game, not by me, but it was asked in the postgame press conference, and he gave sort of the same stock answer that he's been giving about Tom being a, a very a valuable piece um, along with Malcolm Delaney, et cetera. But I like to see Tabo, but I'm starting to lose faith that that's actually going to happen. He did play here, but uh, you know, less than a minute, it's not really actually playing, and uh, that was a little bit disappointing to see. Um, that's going to kind of do it in terms of uh, individual guys. Chris Humphreys and Malcolm Delaney did not get in the game. Not a big surprise on either count there, although I, I, I do wish that Malcolm would play, but this was not the night for Malcolm. Um, obviously, with the way that Jose Calderon played, um, I was uh, actually tweeted in the middle of the run, and I will cop to this, that I thought um, Calderon had a little stretch there in, in the middle where he probably was a little bit tired and it, it waned a little bit, and that was actually looking to hopefully go with Delaney for a little bit of spark, but that uh, ended up bringing the wrong move. So I will cop to that being wrong about that. And I thought, you know, you couldn't possibly ask for more than what Jose Calderon gave you off the bench in a backup point guard role, but I still believe in Michael Delaney. So worth getting that on the record again. 
on the podcast. Um, with all that said, uh, again, this is a very, very good result for the Hawks. Uh, there's no question about that. It's an obvious one and that the Hawks are now even in the series at 2-2. A uh, quick look at the 538 projections after this game. The Hawks are now uh, sitting with a 30% chance to win the series. That's probably going to seem a little bit low to some people, but I think that's actually about right, to be honest, according to 538. Uh, coming into the uh, into the return home, I was probably giving Atlanta some more in the 10% range in terms of winning the series outright with two more wins. They're up to 30%. It might be a little bit higher than that. I, I still think that Washington is clearly the favorite in this series. Um, they're better in the advanced numbers. They're, uh, they have two to three games at home, which is probably the biggest and most important thing. And uh, really, they just have a more talented roster. But with the way that some of those guys have been playing, especially Markeith Morris and uh, even Kelly Oubre, and you know, Otto Porter's not made any great shakes in this series as well, the playing field is definitely more level. And I think, you know, if anything, the coaching advantage probably slightly towards Bootenholz. I've been maddened a little bit with some of the rotation stuff in terms of lamp deployment. Uh, there was a couple of just throwaway lamps that Bud did in this game that I was maddened by, but uh, but still, I think overall he's the better coach in the series, if not if not by a huge margin. I do think Scott Brooks is reasonably good at his job, but some uh, some frustrating things there if you're a Wizards fan. But uh, all with all that said, I think 70-30 is about right. Maybe if you want to talk talk me into 65-35, that's probably okay as well. But the Hawks have a puncher's chance in the series now after winning these two games at home, and at the very least, they'll be they will be another game at Phillips Arena this season. There was a chance this was going to be the last one as I stand here in the middle of the arena right now, but with the win, the Hawks are now guaranteed to play game six on Friday in Phillips Arena, so uh, go ahead, get your tickets now, I should say, if you want to see the uh, what, what could be the final game of the season at Phillips Arena for the Hawks. Um, with all that said, there will be another game, of course, on Wednesday. Um, if the if the Golden State Warriors uh, hold on and they are playing as I record this, they are thrashing the Portland Trail Blazers. So that is a very likely outcome. If the Blaz- if the Warriors uh, finish off a sweep over the Blazers, and you'll probably know that by the time you listen to this podcast, if that happens, the Hawks are going to be playing a six o'clock p.m. Eastern time start on Wednesday in in, in Washington D.C. So it's going to be a traffic catastrophe in the nation's capital. I'm, I'm thankful that's not going to be ha- happening in Atlanta. But uh, set your uh, set your schedule accordingly for a six o'clock tip on Wednesday. That'll be an interesting sort of a fun atmosphere and uh, fun for the, fun for those of you who are working late and might, might be trying to get off early to go see some uh, Hawks basketball at home on, uh, on on Fox Sports Southeast and uh, also the national broadcast. So we'll check we'll check that out. But before that, of course, we'll be back for another show that's going to air on Wednesday. This is of course the Tuesday show, and I appreciate everybody listening. Please subscribe to the show if you have not done that already. I really appreciate everybody that has, but please tell a friend or two, take some time and try to help me out with that. And uh, please engage with me as well. I, I I locked on Hawks on Twitter and also at BT Roland on Twitter. That's my personal account. If you want to scream at me, that's fine. I try to keep it uh, less less vulgar, the better. But uh, if you can, uh, I'm always up for a good discussion as long as we're respectful. It's always fun. And uh, there you go. Uh, so thanks for listening as always. This is uh, this is me signing off from Phillips Arena for a little bit longer. I'll, I'll be back on Friday. And uh, as far as the podcast is concerned, we will see you tomorrow.